welcome to China EVs and More, where my co-host Lei Xing and I will go over some of the week's most important news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. We will open the room up at around the 40-minute mark to anyone who's keen to ask us any questions. We have one rule: although we appreciate vigorous debate, let's all be considerate and respectful to each other. What Lei and I discuss today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. Even if it sounds like investment advice, it isn't. We encourage those who enjoy this room to please connect with us on Clubhouse, LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li, and I am the managing director at Sinawato Insights, a Beijing-based consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at Sinawato Insights, which, of course, I encourage you all to do. Lei, can you please introduce yourself? Yes. Good evening from my side. My name is Lei, and I am the former chief editor of China Auto Review, which published newsletters and the only tabloid magazine in English focused exclusively on the Chinese auto market. I've spent pretty much the last twenty years on the ground in China covering the industry. I'm now in the U.S. as an independent analyst consultant, still trying to keep tabs on the rapidly evolving market. And by saying rapidly evolving, that's an <laughs> understatement. Oh man! This week, episode twenty-six. It's early August, which means July numbers are out, at least for some of the companies. We'll talk about that, and especially NEV sales and full-year prospects. Big rumor coming out, I guess, yesterday your time on BYD's possibly supplying Tesla with their Blade batteries. Very intriguing. And. A huge announcement here in the U.S.: 50% sales by 2030. We will talk about that in relation to, I guess, the the two key words I heard was China and Union. Shall we start with July? Let's start with <laughs> July. I was not able to catch all of the numbers,、uh, but you know, one stuck out. Obviously, you'll bring that up. So let's let's just start with the numbers. Yeah. So July, you know, we always should. Have a disclaimer or a caveat every time we talk about numbers, because we don't want to make any conclusion based on one month of numbers. I think we set that record straight many times. It's okay to speculate,、right. though. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to speculate. It's okay to speculate and and talk about the short term movement. You know, it could be up or down, as in the case of Neil. Right, that was a surprise, but. You know, aside from the numbers, I, I think you know you you can you can you know we we don't have to repeat the numbers, but the trends we're seeing is definitely you know the passenger vehicle sales have been down year on year the last few months, but we're seeing clearly a opposite direction, a shift for and yeah for NEVs and and that's you know mostly. BEVs, right? You start with these smart EV startups, which announce their you know delivery numbers either on the first or the second of the month, and you see that trend going upward, right, month on month, year over year. And let me add this comment really quickly, Lay. For the legacies, it creates quite a conundrum, right? Because they're still hoping to sell, you know, very quietly a boatload of ICEs in order to support the growth. And development of new products in the NEV space, but when they see their competitors that don't have the history 
and the ICEs to sell, increasing sales month over month, year over year quite significantly, it has to be a concerning situation for them. So please go ahead. Yeah. I mean, we, we can talk about the you know, the incumbents or the traditional OEMs a bit later on. But, you know, at least for the smart EV startups, it's, you know, that's one camp, right? Mm -hmm. I call them the big five, right? Neo, Lee Auto, Xpeng, Meta, Elite Motor. And they sold together 35,000 units combined. That's one month. And then we just heard from BYD, which is another camp in itself, right? And their sales was over 50,000. You know, put, put that into one perspective. Last month, China sold a quarter million in EVs. So BYD would account for a fifth of that number. Think about that, right? And then obviously you have Tesla and Hongwang Mini EV, which have announced their numbers, but I expect them to be somewhere in the 30s, 30 to 40,000 range. So if you add that all together, we haven't talked about other Chinese brands. We haven't talked about the foreign OEMs. Either because they're not so, worth talking about or because... No, they haven't announced their numbers. <laughs> they're slow, a bit slower. <laughs> you know, that's, that's another side of comparing these companies is how quickly you get these numbers. Yeah, normally it's right? six, that, seven, eight days you know, after the end of the month, but these guys are fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I'm expecting July to be at least month on month. Uh, the total market should be more than a quarter million units. Mm -hmm. If not, I will be really surprised uh, because you see this trend happening at all of these companies. Even now we get to talk about one of the traditional OEMs, Volkswagen. So we've heard... Um, they sold about uh, 5,800, 5,800 IDs. That's the number that's been reported out there. So that's a huge improvement. You know, in the, in the early months, they were selling what, uh, <laughs> you know, 1,000, 1,200 units, right, in, uh, in March and April. So Significant improvement. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Neo might be a, a caveat for July, but, I mean, it's a couple of hundred units, right? So Other it's flat. That, basically, uh, Neo's flat. Yeah, it's fl basically flat. So, but it's one month of numbers, right? So the overall trend is, you know, it's going up, and I think there's a lot of reasons. Part of it is we know the twelve percent, you know, from the very top, right? The twelve percent credit requirements that's in place for 2021. Right. There's no getting around that. And the other part of it, I think, is you know, in these cities, especially in these big cities. And we talked about this earlier uh, in one of the episodes that you're seeing these malls, the showrooms are, are popping up with these all of these brands. Whereas before, when you go to malls, it would be the Gaps, the H&Ms, the Zaras, right? Yep. I think the smart EVs are, are replacing these retail brands, you know, and that's hap happening fast. Yeah, and, so and it's catching on. I sent you that picture of uh, the place I live in CBD here in Beijing, and um, there's a location. If folks are familiar with Beijing or have seen pictures of Beijing, there's a sc huge screen um, in an open area between two large buildings, and they call that the place. It's across the street from one of the the biggest international apartment complexes in Beijing, and um, there was a Xpeng retail store that's popped up in the open area and an iways retail location that is going to replace an Adidas store. 
in the physical mall. And so to your point, these things are popping up left and right. The other thing that I wanted to mention was I made a trip out after my boys got out of school to about an hour outside of Beijing proper. We were still considered in Beijing, but it's out in the burbs. Went to a mall next to the Marriott where I was staying. And within 500 meters, there was four retail locations. There's a Geely, there was uh, a Cherry, a Xpeng, a GAC, I want to say, or, or uh, a Chang'an. So it's one of the things we'll talk about later is Tesla zigging while everyone's zagging. But uh, this is this creates many more opportunities and touch points for automakers, right? Because in the past, you need to go and make a point to go to a dealer or go on a website, but you, you couldn't see or touch or feel a vehicle unless you actually went to a dealer. Now, I'm going to go get my Starbucks coffee, take my kids to play at the mall, and while they're playing, I might go walk to the retail location. So there's many more opportunities to engage the customer now. And when I walked into the mall, I didn't know there were all these retail stores for these EV companies. So it was a bit jarring and a bit surprising and a little bit of information overflow. But I think that's the world we live in now. And the other thing I want to mention, if we circle back to the July numbers, is what's important to see and note is not only top line growth year over year, month over month, but are these companies growing faster than the market, right? Because we would expect as the EV market expands in China, in the United States, in the EU, for these players, Tesla, Neo, to grow with the market, right? But if they're growing with the market, are they really improving? Are they becoming more efficient? Are they understanding the customer better? That is still up for debate because when you're in a growing market, a growing automotive market, it hides a lot of mistakes being made in the background and not until when the market tightens a bit will you see these issues these challenges come out in the open because although neo was flat this month and we shouldn't or in july and we shouldn't be so concerned about that if i was internal to neo i'd be kind of sort of freaking out, right? Because if every one of my competitors is adding and taking share, and to your point earlier, if we're at 250,000 units, NEO should be participating in that, right? There shouldn't be any reason for their sales month over month to be flat, especially because everyone else is reporting growth. But that's my speculation. I'm not that concerned yet. Let's see a trend. That'll make it very concerning. But it can't make you feel good that when everybody else is reporting better numbers, you're saying, okay, we're we're effectively flat. But uh, but yeah, so those are my comments on on July sales. When you'd mentioned that, if we're at 250,000 units and you already called out 85, 90,000 units, right? Between Volkswagen, the big five, Tesla, and Wuling. I mean, it's being dominated by a handful of car makers, right? The The other end of the spectrum is Arc Fox, which sold less than 600 units. So although we're seeing more and more of them, I'm seeing more and more of them on the road here in Beijing, 500 units is, is pretty anemic. But I believe that we'll see more because of their cooperation with Huawei. And so they'll have two different channels to market and reach out to customers. So 
Yeah, and if I can add a little bit, these, you know, the big five and all the other smart EV startups, they're not out of the woods by any means. Our expectations are, are changing for them. You know, earlier when we started with this clubhouse room, we were talking about expecting them to do 10,000 units a quarter, right? <laughs> that was the expectations that they were on the right track. Now the expectation is 10,000 units a month should be the minimum, which the top three, they should all be able to reach uh, sometime in the next, you know, within the not too distant future. And then referring back to your point about, you know, the retail aspect of it, I think it was a Bloomberg article quoting um, Herbert Dees, um, the CEO of Volkswagen, that he said something to the effect of, you know, wherever these showrooms are, whether Tesla, whether Neo, whether Xbox, we have to be there. So, you know, I, I, I often talk to my wife. She used to work for Esprit, oh. you know, the clothing brand Esprit, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very popular in, in, in the early 2000s in, in China. Uh, but it was the, you know, these fast retail brands, you know, the Zara's, the H&M's, mm -hmm. the Gap's that took over. But now even these brands are, are, you don't see them anymore. Why? Taobao, JD, the way you shop for clothing, right? It's all, you know, disrupted. And that's why you're seeing something similar happening for these smart EV brands is you're going to see these competing brands uh, pop up in the same mall, in the same area next to each other, similar to what the, the, the clothing brands, sure. right? The fashion brands. Sure a decade or two decades ago. So that's one trend happening on the retail side. And, you know, speaking of Volkswagen, right, they're, they're going to open up more the so-called ID stores and they're still working. You know, I recently wrote an article, uh, you know, this is the learning process. That was a good article, by the way. Um, yeah, and they working with the existing dealership, you know, out of, you know, for, for the one JV, which has, you know, Shanghai's Volkswagen, which has like a thousand dealers, they have to select a certain number of those dealers to be in there agency model right yep and then how you know how the most recent update i think for them is they're they're having this um, independent id retail team now <laughs> within shanghai volkswagen so that you know they're learning they, they, they the fact of the matter is the smart ev startups have set the benchmark on what you would expect from a consumer side and volkswagen the other foreign oems they have to match the expectation. And let me say this, you know, living in Beijing where Volkswagen Group is headquartered for for China in and Volkswagen brand, Audi and um, Porsche is actually in Shanghai, but you know, these Volkswagen Group is actually very very lucky that Audi and Porsche, Taycan is selling like hotcakes and and the e-tron is is doing pretty well here I think as well. I I I think it's doing okay. Uh, but it's doing well in Europe and the United States, I think. So right now, their two premium brands are bailing the Volkswagen brand out. So I hear stories, and um, they're not in panic mode, but they're definitely looking to point fingers at people because 5,000 combined between... Because it's not just ID4, it's ID4 and ID6 as well, right? So it's it's not just one product line. It's all of the IDs, right? So two two and a half products... Uh, five thousand units over two and a half products in one month is 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 actually not not great. But if we look back, it's a huge improvement from two, three, four months ago. But I'm an Asian dad, so my, my first thought is, wow, we need to do much, 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 much better. How do we 
resonate among the 25 to 40 year olds in China and get our messaging out, right? The pricing is pretty competitive, but it's not great. The features don't match up. So in spite of that, and you alluded to this in the last Clubhouse, I think, where they're actually offering incentives to purchase or lease the vehicles, a year's worth of charging, right? And so they're already resorting to to this stuff in order to entice or incentivize people to take a look at the ID3, ID4, ID6. And to your point earlier about the retail locations, about the Chinese domestic brands kind of aping Gap, Zara, H&M here in China, if I was ABB, I'd be freaking out because this is their market. They sell a ton of cars, a million each in the China, over a million each in the China market. So if that softens at all, I don't think, I think Porsche is just a brand in and of itself that's just going to sell globally as long as they keep on launching amazing products. But ABB cannot feel well about the transition over to the, the Chinese domestics. So uh, yeah. there's the currently... You know, with only Neo in the premium segment, but there will be others. Hi-Fi is launching. So, but anyways. You know, in the specific case of Volkswagen, the Volkswagen brand, the way they have these models from both joint ventures, the X and the Cross, this is a double-edged sword, right? That they're trying to emulate their successful model of launching this so-called, you know, twin model strategy from their ICE. Uh, lineup. And so across four models, basically, you have what 5,800 units, you know, basically half and half, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't yet have a kind of a star product that defined, you know, for Neo, it was the ES8, right? Yeah. Uh, for for, for Xpeng, it might be the P7. But, you know, ID4 is what they started out with. But you know, they're going to have the ID3 uh, in the Chengdu Motor Show uh, launch yep. and more coming. So this is a, another kind of a tough assignment for them to balance all of these models rather than, you know, dedicated, you know, one or two that they can sell in large volumes. But I mean, that's Volkswagen, right? It's scale. It's, it's you know, all these models coming online. And when you add them up, then it's, it's, it's big. <laughs> and, <laughs> right? and, and, and we have to we have to also remember that this is going on here in China in the under the backdrop of these two weeks ago re-emphasizing the new auto strategy where they're going to become a software driven mobility company in the next 10 years right and they've been very vocal and very bullish on how much they're going to commit for r&d for investment into the sector in order to transform themselves again they need to lose some brands. You know, I, I, I don't know. Skoda is non-existent here. You had mentioned that in a, in a previous clubhouse and they're leaving the market, supposedly. You know, Seat in Europe. But I mean, how many mass market brands do they need? You know, Audi fits, Porsche fits because Porsche is more of a performance vehicle as opposed to Audi, which is more of a premium vehicle. So those brands fit, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, I thought them having six, seven, eight, nine brands in the in the context of becoming a mobility company was going to be an asset. But if their mass market brand can't get vehicles on the road, then that becomes a huge weight around their neck. So enough talking about Volkswagen. <laughs> 
what, what do you think about BYD potentially becoming a trillion dollar company and currently being the fourth most valuable automotive company in the world? Um, I feel like, you know, last week we talked about CATL's sodium ion battery mm -hmm. and how their valuations just keep going up, right? They're the so far the only automotive related company in the in the um, A share that's over a trillion RMB in valuation. And so this week it's BYD's turn. You know, that's that's how things go, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have to react and respond, you know. Hey, hey Lake, you had your time. Now it's my turn. Give me right? give me thirty seconds to kind of update the folks. So obviously yeah. Tesla is a $700 billion company. Volkswagen is next. And then Toyota or Volkswagen are two and three. And then it's BYD. And just below them are going to be Daimler at 95. Xpeng, or not Xpeng, but Neo at 75. GM is around 79 billion. So Tesla is head and shoulders above everybody else. But BYD is, is up there as well. And they're at currently $120 billion valuation in you and I have discussed this in, in, in prior clubhouses where they're also one of the more vertically integrated companies in the transportation sector. So please keep going. Yeah, right. BYD was, you know, last couple of days, um, market cap was going up. Uh, yesterday it fell a little bit, but still, what, 860 billion mm -hmm. RMB? <laughs> you know, quite significant. But here's the thing. So when we talk about BYD and we have a... <laughs> resident expert in, in Taylor Rogan. We'll have him up to chime in. But the upside, look look at where uh, BYD stands. Okay, they're, they're what, you know, one of the top selling NEV uh, manufacturers, right? Their battery, they're working with uh, Toyota, by the way, mm -hmm. on, on several products that will be Toyota branded. And that, we haven't heard, you know, any updates on that yet. The Blade battery, right? We talked about the Ford Mustang Mach-E using not the Blade battery, but LFP. other batteries, right? For Tesla, you know, this is still rumor, by the way, right? It's not confirmed. But if you listen, if you listen to, you know, Elon Musk and his quarterly earnings calls, he always stresses the fact that, you know, they, they, they're coming out with their own sales, 4680, whatever. Right. But they're still buying from the existing suppliers right mm -hmm. he always stresses the fact that we're not replacing our suppliers by our own we're just right yeah um, supplementing so when you see this byd uh being considered as a possible supplier right it's, it's not surprising even and when you see elon musk talk about lfp being about two-thirds of their you know lineup volume now who's the what the, the sort of the granddaddy of LFPs. It's BYD mm -hmm. with years. So in that sense, it's not surprising that we see this rumors emerging. And on the other hand, obviously BYD, okay, we're, you're working with uh, Toyota. That's already a leverage. And you're possibly working with Tesla. And Apple. Uh, that's a huge, right, <laughs> uh, leverage. Uh, I'm not sure it's for the other way around that Tesla would want to use BYD because many years ago, Elon Musk tried it, right? BYD <laughs> in one of that videos. Yes. You know, he laughed about BYD. <laughs> so this is uh, going to come back and, and haunt him. But nothing ever comes back to haunt Elon. Nothing. <laughs> well, you know. He has a distortion field that, that he walks yeah. around with. So. 
Yeah. So I think I think what what's important to note is that in the past, in my opinion, BYD has been known here in China a little bit as as the the low end uh, vehicle maker. They've really, really turned that up uh, on its head. That 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 reputation on its head with the BYD Han, the Tang, and these announcements. To your point about Toyota, Toyota isn't going to work with just any crappy supplier, right? If if the supplier or partner, quote unquote, doesn't bring its own game, then Toyota's not going to use them, right? Apple wouldn't be considering them if they didn't think they brought something significant to the table. Whether it works out and products come to market is, is another thing in and of itself, right? And one advantage that BYD has over the other competitors in the Chinese EV space is that, and we're talking globally now, is that Warren Buffett invested in them 15, 15 years ago. Taylor will correct me, I'm sure. And so they've been in the public consciousness in the United States and the West for quite some time. So there, there's no need to get used to BYD or that brand or that name. Uh, it's been out there. And so there's a certain comfortability and practically as well. They they operate outside of China already. Okay. We've mentioned this in past clubhouses. They build buses outside of LA, I think in Lancaster. I was corrected. It's not in LA. So thank you, Alicia. I, I made a mistake because I had mentioned that they were building electric buses in LA. It's outside of LA. And so, you know, and this really, really gives them an advantage, right? Because Warren Buffett is known as the savviest investor in the world, right? Historically or whatever. And so he's not going to make too many bad bets. And he's been long BYD quite some time. Now, you know, last week we talked about the controversy with the Blade battery and the Han with that uh, media company crashing their car. But we had also said that they're going to expect that target on their back as now they are the fourth largest company, uh, automotive company in the world, and they're going to be fine. They're also one of the companies that is able to kind of to straddle these two worlds, right? The ICE world, the EV world, the, the low price world, and the, the premium or not premium, but uh, less so mass market because the Han is actually fairly affordable. I think it's under 25,000 US or 30,000 US. Um, but, you know, I jumped into it at the Shanghai Auto Show and it's the fit and finish is pretty solid. So uh, didn't have too many knocks on that. I was a little disappointed about the Dolphin because we couldn't get in that. But so I'll, I'll, I'll need to look at that. But they're a significant player for sure. Yeah, an interesting thing to point out for the July sales of 50,000 NEVs, half were BEVs and half were the DMI plug-in hybrids. Now, this is quite significant in that BYD's DM dual motor technology, This is, I think this is their third generation. And I think other than maybe, I don't know, SAIC's um, ROE um, plug-ins, BYD has been probably the most successful um, on on the plugins. Yes, and again, the July numbers show that you know this is something that that consumers you know demand with their Chin Plus and Song Plus uh, plug-in hybrids. And also, when you put BYD and Tesla in the same conversation, it's interesting because BYD is the closest of being to a Chinese Tesla, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about, you know, all these Tesla killers or the Neos, the X-Pong, but actually BYD is the closest 
Oh, without question. Without uh, in terms question. of what they're doing, may, maybe uh, with the exception of autonomous uh, driving uh, mm-hmm. AD, I think BYD is a bit, might be a bit behind, at least from the surface. They seem to be behind on sure. that front. But on the electrification front, right, on the, on the batteries, uh, what they're doing, you know, they're, they're actually probably more close uh, to being called a Chinese Tesla. And, th- and, th- and they're going to have... Yeah. And they'll have many more um, global marketing campaigns to kind of introduce themselves to the world uh, from a passenger, private passenger vehicle uh, segment, because in electric buses, they're the number one game in town globally. And, you know, with the blade batteries, Ford signing up, Toyota working with them on, on, on stuff. It's only a matter of time where I'm sure CATL is keeping track with of what BYD is doing because I was reading that the blade battery could be a reduction of 30% uh, on the cost side versus LF traditional LFP batteries. So that's a game changer, right? And so the, the, the rumor about BYD working with Tesla, that would make a ton of sense. If Tesla is uh, going to introduce a sub $25,000 car, then, then yeah, using the blade battery would be kind of, a way to get to that price point and not lose your shirt. But I know that um, the form factor would need to change from a, from a packaging and structural rigidity standpoint. So, you know, Tesla's probably evaluating that as well, right? Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, BYD and Tesla are competing, right? So the model made in China model three, right? The cheapest uh, model Y, I mean, was launched. And then soon BYD came out with a standard range, luxury <laughs> price that just under 210,000. Yep. Right. Imagine if Tesla is going to come out with a model equipped with BYD <laughs> batteries and, and, and sells for whatever. Right. It, Cause pretty soon, I think within this year, you're going to see another price reduction. Oh yeah. Uh, from Tesla. Yeah. Uh, you, you can bet on that. They, yeah. They're not afraid. And, and this is part of that distortion reality field, right? So so one thing about BYD, uh, uh, they've received a ton of support from Shenzhen. The one statistic um, that I saw this week is Shenzhen is the world's global leader in EVs. They have 480,000 of them roaming around the streets of Shenzhen. BYD has been a big part of that. So that's also been extremely helpful for them to get more vehicles on the road, meaning more vehicles, more R&D, more chances to improve quality, more data being sucked up. Uh, And so these are the kind of things that these small things that people don't really realize. These are the things that help people win, right? Or help companies win. But uh, yeah. And uh, with regards to Tesla, let's, let's move on to what we think about they're zigging, talking about zigging versus zagging. Now that the China EV companies are all moving to malls and retail locations. Now, I do want to say that the mall that I went to was not a premium mall, right? There wasn't a Gucci store. There wasn't, you know, this was an everyday mall where most folks are going to go shopping, right? There's a lot of kids um, stores, but not a premium mall where Tesla plays is in the premium malls where there's an IWC store. There's a Gucci store right next to a Tesla retail store. So uh, they're going to move into those retail locations supposedly. But this also goes back to Tesla is very, very quick to change strategies. And this is uh, jarring for an industry who 
takes a lot of time to really make significant changes either at the, the company level or at the industry level. So, so what do you think about them making that announcement that they're going to move out? And, and, and just so everybody gets an idea of scale, they have over 170,000 retail locations in the U.S. I counted this morning on their website. They have about 37 in China. So, so what are your thoughts? Well, the only thing that comes to mind is Tesla is the new Volkswagen in China because they've become mainstream rather than special or exclusive. I mean, right, you're all on mm-hmm. the streets of Beijing or Shanghai or, you know, many other cities. There's tons of Teslas driving around. So I guess I would imagine that, right, once you become mainstream, then you sort of tweak what was done before sure. to, to adapt. Uh, that's... That's my only conclusion. And I think, I think, I think if we... And if, Tesla is quick to, you know... Yeah. I, I think if we were to peel the layers of the onion back a little bit more, maybe this is a way for them to reach the Chinese consumer for when that $25,000 Model 2 or Model 1 comes out. Right. What we do know about Tesla is that they're always putting constant pressure on their competitors. So you can bet that the strat teams, the planning teams at Volkswagen, at Neo are kind of scratching their heads saying, okay, why are they doing this? Right. Because they have to, you know, any good um, business planning or business strategy team at these companies is always evaluating moves why this is happening, what's what's their end game, and what do they see in the market. So I don't know if this is a head-scratcher, but, you know, I think what will end up happening is if they, if I go to that mall in 12 months or 14 months from now and I see a Tesla dealer or a Tesla retail store, I'm betting that the foot traffic in that Tesla retail store is going to dwarf any of those other retail location stores that are right next to it. So... Uh, they're all they're they're going to get instant attention and and again this is a way to increase the customer engagement to create more awareness of the brand in China and it's easier for outreach now I'd love your thoughts on this part of it Tesla can make these changes so quickly because they don't have a traditional dealership cooperation or partnership. So in the United States, in China, Volkswagen, GM, these guys have thousands of dealerships. And so even if they could move that fast, it would be about impossible to get that cooperation from the dealerships. So, you know, we we, we can look at all these different things where most people or a lot of people Tesla customers are ordering online anyways. So having a retail location could be a bit more redundant. And, you know, I think they'll also take advantage. They're, they're looking at the, the digital trends, right? The coronavirus trends. So the O2O, the online to offline. And if you can just put a kiosk in a parking lot of a mall, yeah, that's going to be a lot cheaper than than being downtown CBD for a retail location where there's a limited number of people that show up to come look at and touch and feel your products. I think this is going to also lead to other automakers reassessing 
okay, how do we do this, right? But again, they also have to deal and contend with inventory. They have to contend with much more capacity and they have to contend with the dealership networks. So this allows Tesla, Neo, X-Punk to be a lot more flexible. But yeah, Volkswagen and GM couldn't do this if they wanted to. Yeah, and the way Tesla has been raising and or reducing prices of their vehicles has been a head scratcher for many people, uh, right? Both in the U.S. and in, in China. You know, every once in a while, you just see, oh, this the price went up or, or went down. <laughs> yeah. Similarly, you know, they're they're just doing what they feel is, and it's quick, right? With, with this retail new retail model, you know, it's, well, they that's, they that's, raised uh, that's normal for them. They raised the price of the Model S and X by thirty thousand RMB here, I think. But that's imp- yeah. it's, that's imported, so uh, thirty thousand on a base of seven hundred thousand RMB is not not huge, but it, it, you know it's not insignificant. So what do you? Uh, oh, we can talk about the fifty percent. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, I've been following this today, and I, I really feel like the U.S. is at where, where China is a decade ago. When when you have these top down sort of directives, first it was the ten cities thousand vehicles plan, right? And then it was the new energy, you know, five year plans uh, that first came out in twenty twelve, and the latest is uh, from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty five, I guess. So you you're sort of seeing this happening, whereas you know the the government sets the target. And the companies follow. But what I felt like was important seeing, you know, some of these statements put out by the OEMs is the working, you know, we do our part, right? Yeah. By coming out with these products. But at the end of the day, whether we can do it or not depends on how big of a check you're local government and the state, the state and also, you know, the the infrastructure. You know, who's gonna be helping us. I felt there was a sense of, you know, yeah, we can do this, but we need help. Not going to be easy, and, although we have these targets. And, the Chinese, and that's the sense I got. And the Chinese government has, has written at least a $40 billion check over the last 10 years. Okay. So, so it's going to be a significant investment in a short period of time if the United States is going to even get remotely close to, to China and even the EU now, right? Tesla is going to do their part. They're going to sell and they're going to increase sales for sure. But GM and Ford and Stellantis, Toyota, uh, Hyundai, they all need to play their part by launching products that people want. I think the manufacturing part will be solved, right? But what the OEMs need to be smarter about is how they engage the customers, how they educate the customers, how they incentivize the customers to try these new products out where you know their reputations historically have been I make a solid 5 liter engine or I make a you know a great engine that has you know pulling power torque like crazy so to move to an EV is is a mindset change and it's kind of like yeah I, I, what we also know is that and, go ahead go ahead oh the I was just going to say the other part of it is not the EV target but the updated uh, fuel efficiency and greenhouse gas emissions requirements, right? DOE and the DOT, right? They're, they're working on that. Um, and 
so what I'm thinking is, if Trump could roll those back, and Biden can push them forward, <laughs> then what happens when next president comes around? Is this going to be set in place, you know, once and for all, or will things change again? Right. This is the unique part about the, the U.S. Right. The, the way things work in the U.S. Right. If things can go back and forth, then you know, in in three years, you know, <laughs> are they going to change again? I but it, it it looks like it looks like at least you know GM and Ford they're very adamant. Yeah. About their you know the future uh, uh, targets. Let's. But you know that's that's a that's the subtlety and and and. Uh, the specific, you know, the, the U.S., you know, politics, uh, how it works, right? That's different than China. Yeah, where, right? Uh, well, let's let's make sure we emphasize the fact that California is the U.S.'s largest market, and normally, California dictates to the rest of the U.S. the direction of the automotive sector. And your point earlier, or your your um, spec, your thought earlier about whether it'll change in three or four years. I think I think the, the cat's out of the bag. But if we are to get a different president who doesn't support the EV sector, I think the velocity will decrease. But I think the transition is already over. The, the auto companies have already said so. The proof is in the pudding, though. So I think looking at how the F-150 Lightning will do, how the Silverado will do, how the Hummer will do once once it's uh, electrified, and honestly, how Rivian's going to do, right? Because they're building two products that are the sweet spot of what Americans love, you know, an SUV and a pickup, okay? So I, I, I do see them doing pretty well, but the constraint could effectively not be the products. It could be the infrastructure. So there's so many different variables going on right now. And I know the Twitterverse was a little upset because Biden did actually mandate that 50% by 2030 were going to be NEVs, you know? So, um, and I think it was Bush, completely Bush League, that Tesla wasn't invited to the announcement. I know they're not a union shop, but nevertheless, they are the number one EV maker and they're American. So that's, to me, that was complete Bush well, League from the Biden administration, so... Well, but I take it differently. I just feel, you know, it'll be weird for Elon Musk to be there anyways. It's weird. Right? It's weird for him to be the leader of the automotive sector globally. <laughs> right, right. So so I don't know what all the fuss is about for not inviting, you know, him or Tesla because they're already doing their part. They're already way ahead. So, you know, why be there any, anyways, <laughs> right? It's not me that's need to catch up sure right? sure i, I <laughs> so uh it would have been pretty yeah. it would have been pretty funny that that's for sure but it like, would have been funny for him to stand next to jim farley and mary bar well even <laughs> even think. even the head of the uaw uh but yeah i i, yeah. I do want to say biden you know made huge deal about cooperating with the uaw and wages and everything and let me let me qualify this by saying my father spent 27 years at GM at many different plants in Pontiac, in um, Lake Orion, in Indianapolis. And so he moved a lot. And so the UAW is a big part of how I got to where I am 
my whole family for sure. But if you look at what's happening with the UAW leadership in the United States, they, they're a corrupt organization. There's been like eight, nine, ten people who have been arrested and thrown in jail because of these scandals that they've had, these kickbacks. And so, you know, we can, you know, compliment the UAW as an organization, but holy cow, man, they got to clean their shit up. And they have to also remember that in order to be competitive, you know, they need to compromise and look at the long term. Gaining membership is is one thing, but it's a losing battle for them because the number of parts on a car are just going down, right? And so if the UAW doesn't evolve, that's going to be a weight on the U.S. auto market. I'm jumping off my soapbox now. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think today was also, I think clearly it was also about, right, when you talk, talk about UAWs, you know, securing jobs for the future, right? Yes. That's number one. Two, Wages. batteries, they have to be made here. And when you talk about incentives and, and the um, EV uh, rebate, you get, right, I think it was $2,500 if it was made in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and $2,500 or $2,000 more if it was made, produced by union workers, right? I think this was, was stressed. Yeah, it's such a big part of today's announcement. That's why, <laughs> right, the big three, they, they have the most uh, unionized workers, right? But uh, let's also emphasize that for the longest time, Tesla has received a lot of subsidies and funding from the from the US government. So Tesla is not immune to handouts and checks coming from the US government either. Okay, so so even though they don't have union shops, they do receive help from not only the US government, but the German government, the Chinese government, the Shanghai government. And not, uh, this is not a knock on Tesla, great for them. That's awesome. But let's be clear, it's not the thumbs on the scale for the OEMs and Tesla doesn't get anything, right? Let's let's be clear about that. So, um, and going back to China, you know, I was comparing this to uh, ten years ago, right? If you look back, it's taken China how many years to get where they are today? Although I'm not comparing maybe apples and oranges, but Biden was all talking about, you know, we we can't lose this race to the Chinese. Right, we have one third the market share of EVs here than in China. You know, um, he gave out these numbers. We we led in technological research, but is it going to take less time for the U.S. to catch up? Right, that's the question. Or not? The good thing I think about the United States market is that once it gets moving, it gets really moving. But in the United States, I don't see outside of Rivian any EV startups driving a lot of the the attention and excitement like Neo, Xpeng, Liado, WM, some of these other companies do, right? And so this is where the legacies are going to be much more measured with their push for EVs because again they still need to buy the sell ICEs. And can you I don't know, can you name five or six US EV companies, uh, startups that are bringing the excitement? You know, Rivian for sure. You know, Tesla is a 17-year-old company, so they're not a startup. You know, so so are new EV start companies going to bring excitement? Are they going to launch? Lucid, maybe, but they're a $120,000 car, you know, so that's also kind of a concern of mine. Fisker, right? Yeah. 
I think they just had their、uh, earnings today. Yeah. Yeah, Lordstown had their earnings.、Uh, Yesterday,、yeah. or Nikola had their earnings, or something like that. Where I was like, okay,、yeah. we're selling zero car. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at Sino Auto Insight. That's S I N O A U T O I N S I G H T. You can find Lay on Twitter at Lay Shing Seven Seven. That's L E I. X I N G seven seven. If you wouldn't mind rating and/or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China EVs and more.